And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've concluded these 40 days of preparation of Advent for this all-important feast of the birth of our Lord. Throughout the liturgical year, we see series of 40 days. There were 40 days of flood to purge the world. Our Lord spent 40 days in the desert in preparation for his public ministry. We obviously, in imitation of that, have 40 days of Lent, which are a time of penance and prayer in reparation for our sins. And then we have 40 days of Easter, from Easter to Ascension Thursday, 40 days in which to live as redeemed people. And now we begin these 40 days of Christmas, from Christmas until Candlemas. Advent used to begin on Martin's, St. Martin's Feast, and they called it Martin's Fast. And so that came out to 20, uh, 40 days from St. Martin's Feast up until Christmas Eve. Sound mental health specialists say that in three weeks we can degrade a vice and in another three weeks learn a virtue. It comes out to 40 days. So our church as a mother has a certain method to these series of 40 days because we are supposed to leave off something and learn something, appropriate a new virtue. So each of these seasons has its own direction. And it comes to its culmination in the, the ending feast. We hear these words at the end of the low mass, right? Uh, the, the, the prologue of St. John's Gospel. And we have a danger of becoming, in an unhealthy way, familiar with these words, that they don't shock us. We ought to consider what the first hearers of this gospel would think the word was made flesh, the logos. What is logos? If you consult your Lydell and Scott Greek dictionary, you'll find 12 pages of definitions and usages. It's a fascinating term that the Holy Spirit inspired in John to use to describe the Son. Logos means word, it means verb, it means intelligibility, it means understanding, it means so many things. And no one of our words can contain him. He is the word, he is the last word, he is the mind of the Father. The Father has one idea, and that idea is his Son, and it encompasses everything. That idea also means logos. So the Son is the concept of the Father. He's there eternally, face to face with the Father. There's no beginning. There's no end. As you scale, go up the, the, the scale of angels, the closer they are to God, the less ideas they have because their single ideas encompass more things. So the Father has one idea, and that idea is so perfect. That idea of himself and all that that implies, it's so perfect that it lacks nothing to be a divine person. 
St. Ignatius, in his spiritual exercises, mentions in a rather anthropomorphic way how the Blessed Trinity is in conference after the fall. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are meeting and they say, well, they've really made a mess of it. How are we going to fix this? And the Father says, I've got an idea. You, the Son, you're going to become man in order to save them. Well, the idea is nice, but our Lord doesn't have new ideas. He doesn't come up with solutions. He is the solution. He doesn't think the way we think, in confined by space and time. He's the creator of space and time. He's not confined by it. So what does that mean? There was no time in the life of the Trinity that the idea of the, the Incarnation was absent. So think about that, that the Son knew from before time began that he was going to take upon himself our flesh in order to be born and to suffer and die and rise and maintain that sacred humanity forever after. So our Lord in heaven still has, we know that from the ascension, he still has a sacred humanity, even with his emotions, perfect, of course, not disordered like ours, but he has all of his sacred humanity intact. And this is the message that the shepherds received from the angels. And they were told that there was a sign that they should go to Bethlehem, Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, and that there they would find Emmanuel, God with us, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Perhaps you've seen some Byzantine icons where our Lord, as a baby, is wrapped in, and he looks almost like a mummy. Everything is wrapped except for his face, and that's on purpose. It's showing him as victim. He's being prepared for his death already in Christmas. He is a victim. He's a priest. So the word is made flesh in the house of bread and laid in what is a manger. A manger is a feed box. We think of manger, we only have one idea of what a manger is. We think of Christmas, but that's not what a manger is. A manger is a feed box. If you go to Rome and you go to St. Mary Major Basilica, you'll see this circular, this medallion icon. It shows a throne in heaven with a crown on it, a scepter, and nothing else. God is not on his throne. He's, you go down and there's the altar of sacrifice in the sanctuary, and below that is this feed box, the one that the shepherds went to find the Word made flesh and to adore him. And this incarnation then also perdures in our own world through the Eucharist. It says, the word was made flesh, and then esconesen en hemon, not and dwelt among us, but and pitched his tent among us. Notice the humility here. He pitches a tent like a Bedouin, a traveler. He doesn't come in a palace. He doesn't come to us in majesty and glory. That will happen at the end of time. He comes in simplicity, in poverty, in littleness, in humility, and pitches his tent among us. Enskenosen. Skene is tent. Paul is called a skene pollo. He's a, a tent maker. That was his trade. 
when Peter in the Transfiguration speaks to our Lord, he says, let us build three skene, let us build three tents here. And tent in Latin is tabernaculum, tabernacle, little tent. And so we have this ongoing incarnation of our Lord in the tabernacle, in this little tent here for us to come and adore him. And the shepherds who were called the people of the earth, that was a pejorative term. They were called the people of the earth because they were grubby. They smelled like the animals they worked with. And because they, being a shepherd is a full-time job, it's every day they couldn't participate in the liturgical life as the other Jews could. And so they were looked down upon. And nonetheless, what were they doing? They were shepherding these sheep who would be brought from Bethlehem to Jerusalem for sacrifice. And so they did have a participation, and it's a very humble and necessary participation in the liturgical life, preparing the sheep for sacrifice. And so our Lord sends the angels to appear to them, precisely these who serve this all-important purpose for the old law, which came to an end with the Incarnation. And in their humility, they receive this message from the angels, and they go to worship. So if all of these series of 40 days have a purpose, what is the purpose of the Christmas season from now until Candlemas on February 2nd? To imitate the shepherds, to discover that all-important virtue, the foundational virtue of the spiritual life called humility, which doesn't mean that we say we're less than we are, it means we say that we are as we are, and he is who he is. He is God. We are not. And therefore, this God among us, this Emmanuel, this word made flesh in a tabernacle is worthy of our adoration. We, we use these 40 days to discover our littleness. And in that littleness, we're capable of adoring him, to adore him as he deserves. He is God, we are not. He is God among us. And that changes everything. God became man that we might participate in his divinity. And the incarnation makes that possible. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.